Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field, it's the Chicago White Sox 2, the Cleveland Guardians nothing. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And you know what? Uh, you gotta take the good with the bad sometimes, and uh, isn't that the Facts of Life theme song? Anyways, uh, yeah, we gotta talk about it. You know, it was a bad game. It was a, kind of a boring game, frankly. I mean, the rain delay, the three-hour rain delay, I don't know if it just took the wind out of everybody's sails, but it was just a really, really boring game, uh, especially for the Guardians' offense. I mean, Cueto just, like, you can't even say he was dominant. Uh, he just cruised, man, for eight and two-thirds innings. He just cruised against this lineup. And, I mean, he, he gives up five hits, no runs, one walk, only two strikeouts on 113 pitches. He's hard hit seven times. He just kind of cruised through this game, eh? inducing weak contact, uh, a few sticky situations he's able to get out of, uh, but that's very, very limited. And, yeah, he just, I mean, we should have seen this coming. If you look at Johnny Cueto's splits, uh, I believe this is updated with yesterday's game over on Baseball Reference. He's now 5-0 and against Cleveland in nine starts in his career with a 2.14 ERA, uh, with a 1.048 whip. I mean, he kind of has been doing this his entire career against us. Uh, I know in Cincinnati, he didn't face us that often, but I mean, nine starts is a pretty big sample size. In, uh, in progressive field as well, in four starts in progressive field, he's now 4-0 and with a 1.2 ERA. With a 0.90 whip. So, yeah. And it's not a high strikeout thing. It's it's 4.5 strikeouts per night. So he's not doing it via the strikeout. He's doing it exactly how he did it last night. Just weak contact after weak contact. You know, pop-ups and weak fly balls and ground outs. And, man, I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, those of you that like gambling on baseball, uh, if you looked at those splits, last night was a pretty easy bet for you. I mean, you got to assume this was all set up for Cueto to do exactly what he did. No one pitch was dominant. He uses six different pitches through the forcing fastball the most, the cutter, the sinker, the changeup, the slider, and then one curveball. Uh, he had four whiffs on 51 swings. It's an 8% whiff rate from Johnny Cueto. Throwing 22 called strikes, it's a 23% CSW. They put 29 in play with an average exit velocity of 84 miles, pl- miles per hour off them. I was trying to find something in the Illustrator. Like, were they expanding the zone? No, a bunch of these outs were made in the zone. Uh, were they just popping everything up or grounding out? I was looking at the radial, which shows me the launch angle, basically, of everything hit. No, there was a bunch of stuff hit in the sweet spot on the radial between zero degrees and 45 degrees launch angle, which, you know, is where you find a lot of your line drives and uh, your deep fly balls. But no, uh, they they were hitting plenty of stuff all over the radial, up and down uh, when it comes to launch angle. So there's really not uh, one thing I can point to and say this is what was working for Cueto. Uh, guys were rushing a little bit. I saw, I definitely saw uh, Naylor rush, like, Cueto can quick pitch you. He can mess with timing. He can quick pitch you sometimes. And I saw Naylor swinging at a first pitch. 
um, that he definitely like it was a quick pitch. He should have just taken it. Uh, Cueto rushes him, got him to you know swing at something that he wasn't ready for, and he grounds out. So uh, yeah, so Cueto just was rock solid the whole game. The few times uh, the Guardians actually threatened to score in this game. Uh, I feel like Straw was up at the worst times. So in the fifth inning, Oscar Gonzalez does absolutely rope a single back up the middle. 108.6 mile per hour exit velocity. Benson would pop out. Mainly would reach on a fielding error. So they would gift us a runner in scoring position. They would gift us another at-bat. Straw would ground out, though, to end the threat. Um, so that was the fifth inning. Probably our best chance of opening this game up. I mean, Gonzalez did a good job of getting on base, actually, in this game. Uh, Quan leads off the game with a single, and then Ahmed Rosario immediately hits into a double play. I think right there we should have known what kind of night it was going to be. We haven't seen those guys do that in a while. Uh, remember, that was something that kind of plagued Rosario in the middle of summer here, where every time Quan would lead off a game on base, Rosario would follow it up by grounding into a double play. I thought they had shaken that. Uh, apparently not last night. So that fifth inning, and then in the eighth inning, uh, Luke Maley with another leadoff single, a weekly hit ball, but he gets it through. It's a leadoff single. And then three straight ground outs. I thought Straw was going to hit into a double play. He legs it out for a force out. I thought Quan was going to hit into a double play. He legs it out for a force out. And finally, Ahmed Rosario just grounds out to end the inning. So, I mean, we had our chances. We had our chance, and then the ninth inning, Naylor gets on. Naylor singles with one out. Uh, he's on, and it brings up Andres Jimenez, and this was the moment we all kind of thought. If you actually stuck with this game, if you made it through the three-hour rain delay, if you still had this game on, uh, I, I was laying in bed waiting for this thing to end so I could go to sleep, and uh, I was like, okay, this is the moment. We got to run around Andres Jimenez up in a clutch situation in the ninth inning. What's going to happen? And he pops him up. He pops him up, and uh, that would be the last battery face. Hendricks comes in to strike out Gonzalez, uh, and yeah, it kind of sucked. I mean, it just it was a high fastball at the top of the zone, and he popped it up. Uh, he was aggressive in this at-bat. Man, he was hacking at this at-bat. He swung at all four pitches, fouls off a cutter on the plate, fouls off a cutter in at his hip, Fouls off a changeup way off the plate in the other batter's box, and then finally pops up that fastball. And I, man, I feel like Cueto was that. He encouraged you to do, to do this, right? He throws so many different pitches. He's nothing seems like it's not hittable, right? He encourages you to do this. And uh, I mean, yeah, he has Jimenez hacking here in this final at bat. So yeah, it was just one of those days for the Guardians' offense. Uh, so I guess that's the top storyline of the game for me. Um, yeah, just some weak stuff here. Uh, for the White Sox, off of Shane Bieber. Bieber also pitches very well in this game. His final line is six in a third innings pitched, five hits, two runs, only one earned, three walks. Eh, you don't love to see that. Four strikeouts. That's low for Bieber. On 99 pitches, he's hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. Uh, Bieber was also very much in command in this game. I mean, really, really, he gives up one bad hit to uh, Jose Abreu, and it's not even one of the walks that ends up costing him. 
the walks don't cost him any runs. It was a bunch of singles that end up costing him. Uh, Luis Robert would single the lead off the sixth. After Jimenez flyout, Abreu would absolutely crush a double into center field. 104, point, 104 mile per hour exit velocity, 392 to dead center field that hits off the wall. Robert's able to come in and score. That's the earned run that he gives up. And frankly, it's the one time that Bieber, not the one time, uh, he was in the middle of the plate, you know, a bunch. He was on the plate. He was aggressive. But this is the one that gets hit. It was a slider that just sits middle of the plate, uh, a spinner, as they like to call it. And Jose Abreu absolutely demolishes it. It's definitely a slider that Bieber would want back. He does not want to set a slider right here at the belt, middle of the plate. That's to no hitter. You want to leave a slider right there. And weirdly, his slider was effective, but also what he gave up most of the base hits on. Elvis Andrews hit in the seventh was on a slider down at the knees. Uh, Gavin Sheets had doubled off a slider early in the game, right at the belt, but uh, off the plate to the arm side for Bieber. Uh, Yasmani Grandal singled off a slider in the seventh inning. And then Luis Robert uh, in the sixth, the lead off that inning was a fastball. Got a fastball for a single. So four of the five hits that Bieber gives up comes off of the slider. But it's not to say the slider was a bad pitch on the night. He threw it the most of anything on the night. Man, he threw 26 cutters uh, and then 25 fastballs and 30 sliders, 17 curves while we're at it, and one changeup. And the slider had a 33% whiff rate. I just didn't get any many called strikes on it. Uh, the curveball had a 56% whiff rate. Again, didn't get many called strikes on it. That's a 29% total CSW on the day. Man, yeah, when they wanted to swing at that slider, uh, one foul ball, but 11 put in play. So uh, the slider, I guess, let him, you could say let him down on the day, but frankly, this is a, this is a quality start from Bieber. This is a good start. Uh, he really, really limited damage. Both pitchers were kind of cruising through this game. So Abreu gets that double, and then in the uh, in the seventh inning, uh, they try to add on the White Sox too, and uh, there were some really strong throws from the outfield. One time uh, it works; they get a runner at the plate. The other time, it's a total disaster. So going to that seventh inning, uh, Grandal would lead off with a single uh, ground ball in the left field. A wild pitch from Bieber; he moves up to second. Elvis Andrews singles into center field. Grandal coming around third, trying to score. Straw, it's not an accurate throw. It's more that he gets to this ball very quickly and unleashes a really good, you know, strong throw. It's not incredibly accurate. It's actually a little bit up the third baseline, but Maley does a good job of getting to the ball and getting back to the plate. Grandal tries to go wide, messes up his leg while doing it. They had to carry him off the field. But Maley's able to tag him out there at the plate and save a run right there. So a good job by Straw of getting to the ball quickly, getting it in quickly. Wasn't the most accurate throw in the world, but he got it to Maley in time to be able to make a play. So uh, And definitely put it on the side of the bag where Maley was able to make a play, right? Up the third baseline as opposed to the other side of the bag where he would have had to dive back to the plate. Uh, he's able to attack the runner instead of the plate. So, uh, Karen Check would come into the game. Elvis Andrews, who moved up to second on the throw, would able to uh, steal third off of Karen Check. And that sets up Josh Harrison 
hits a weak fly ball out to right field. I mean, just a lazy pop-up to Benson out there. And Benson uncorks a missile of a throw home. And Harrison wasn't, or Andrews wasn't going. Andrews, they weren't going to mess with Benson's arm. Uh, They know Cleveland outfielders have arms. So he holds it third. And Maley said that, you know, he wishes, he played that back in his head, and he wishes a few things. Number one, he said Benson made a fine throw. Benson didn't make a mistake, even though Benson's the one credited with the error. He feels like he should have told Naylor to cut the ball off. Uh, It kind of was Naylor's responsibility to cut the ball off right there. Instead, he lets it go. And then Maley said it's kind of his mistake for not backing up on it. Like, there was no reason. All he had to do was keep it in front of him. And Andrews wasn't going anywhere. Instead, it ricochets off his glove, off his mask. He was holding his mask in one hand, and he, like, threw both hands up, not expecting the ball to bounce the way it did. And it ricochets so far past him that, I mean, you have to give credit to Andrews, right? I mean, we're baseball fans here. We have to give credit to Andrews. That is the hustle play of all hustle plays, to realize the ball has bounced away from the catcher, and you can beat them home. I mean, it's a dead sprint between him and Andres Jimenez, who's trying to recover the baseball, who is not even Jimenez's responsibility. Uh, You know, he's trying to recover the baseball and flip it to Maley, and Andrews just beats everybody home. You got to respect it. You have to respect the heads-up play and the hustle. I'm sorry. So it goes as an unearned run, but it gives them that little cushion, makes it a 2-0 lead uh, that was insurmountable for the Guardians' offense. So, yeah, I mean, two interesting throws home, one very successful, one very unsuccessful uh, in that seventh inning leads to the run. So uh, it wasn't all bad defense for the Guardians. Uh, There were some good defensive plays on the day, and the top defensive play we definitely have to highlight it, definitely have to talk about it. Andres Jimenez in the eighth inning makes one heck of a play behind second base off of Luis Robert ground out. Up the middle, he hits it right over uh, De Los Santos' head. Um, and Jimenez makes a sliding stop, going behind second base, pops up, fires a strike to first base to nail Luis Robert by half a step. Very speedy runner. And it's amazing. I mean, all the things Jimenez does in this play, I want to know what his pop time is. I mean... It's a very, uh, I think it is it Trey Turner who does those crazy slides for the LA Dodgers where he like, he slides home and it's, it's graceful like a dancer. Like he, he slides home and pops up all in one movement. That's kind of what Jimenez does here behind second base. It's all one movement. He slides, gets this ball, and he's already up on his feet. Uh, I don't even know if he puts his hand to the ground. He just pops right up out of the slide. And he's throwing to first base in a flash. I mean, it's unbelievable. Catchers wish they had this pop time to come off the ground and get off a throw like this. And he knows he's got Robert running. So he knows he's got to unleash a throw here. And he nails him. I mean, it's a gold glove-esque play from Andres Jimenez, who we've always said, if he ends up as a second baseman, he's going to be one hell of a second baseman. Like, defensively, it works, whether it's second base or shortstop. That kid's glove works on that infield. So, I mean, obviously, that was the defensive highlight of the day. Maybe the throw home from Straw. I mean, nailing a runner at the plate is always great. But Jimenez 
with a really solid uh, play right there defensively. Um, so, yeah. So, God, I wish there was more. I wish there was more to sink my teeth into in this game, but I think that covers it. I think that's everything. I mean, the Guardians offense did not give themselves many opportunities. What started out as a big crowd down there, I mean, the paid attendance was 26,000. It should have been rocking, but the rain delay drove people home probably. A three-hour rain delay is tough to sit through. And yeah, it just, there was just no momentum the entire night for the Guardians. It's not even like Bieber was racking up the strikeouts to get people fired up, right? It just, there was just no momentum in that ballpark at all. And the White Sox were able to take advantage of it by getting, scratching two runs across uh, before it was too late. So yeah, goes down as a loss for the Guardians. MVP on the day, I think I got to give it to Oscar Gonzalez. Even though he was just the DH, uh, he had two hard hit balls. Uh, he was on base uh, three times, including a single, a double, and a walk. Uh, Gonzalez was doing everything he could in the sixth spot to try to spark this offense, uh, including smashing a ball up the middle off Cueto, and they just couldn't do anything with it. They just couldn't get anything done with it. So, uh, yeah, MVP on the day is going to our DH. It's going to Oscar Gonzalez on a day when there's not much going on in this box score. So I think that's all my thoughts on this one. We do have an email. We actually have two emails from Ken. And uh, first off, a follow-up from yesterday's game. And it's funny, Ken, because this is the exact conversation I had with my brother on the phone. And he was wondering about the wisdom of Rosario's decision to stretch a single into a double ahead of Jose Ramirez's home run yesterday. Remember, Jose Ramirez gets the scoring going with a solo home run, starts to get us back in the game. We were down to nothing. Uh, Ken says if he stays on first, the game is tied. Things turned out okay since the Guardians won 5-2. I know Tito encourages players to push the envelope. I guess you get caught sometimes. Ken, this is the exact conversation. So my brother's philosophy was... Right? There's no need to push it right there. You're on base for Jose Ramirez. He even called with the people he was watching. I think he was watching with his father-in-law. He even said, watch, Ramirez is going to hit a home run. Sure enough, Ramirez hits a home run. Uh, it's the butterfly effect. Would he have still hit a home run with the runner on? The pitcher would have been out of the stretch instead of the windup. We will never know. But I think you kind of answered your own question here, Ken. Tito does encourage these guys to push the envelope. Like it. Whether it's from Francona or the other offensive coaches, right? It's the philosophy of this team is to take as many bases as possible. So I can't blame Rosario here when it's been the mentality of the Guardians the entire season and it's paid so many dividends, right? How many times have we talked about how Ramirez sets the example of always taking second base, of always taking that double? And Quan and Rosario and so many Jimenez, so many players have followed in his footstep. Even Oscar Gonzalez is out there. He's always trying to take that extra base and get that double. So I can't really fault Rosario for getting thrown out at second there because it is the philosophy of the team. And yeah, you are going to get caught sometimes. And it's just like stealing, right? We love when these guys steal bases. Everybody gets caught sometimes, but you got to keep trying. So, yeah, my brother had the exact same thought you did. If he stays at first base, it's a tie game after Ramirez's home run. But it worked out. And uh, But we, I think we all understand why Rosario did it, right? Why he went for second on that play. So it's interesting. I had the exact same conversation. And then, Ken, you nailed that perfect email there. 
Then Ken's other email that I kind of pushed off because uh, I had to do the research. He said, I was wondering if it's my imagination or real. Cleveland seems to have an inordinate number of low ball hitters. He says, I count Quan, Naylor, Jimenez, Jones, Gonzalez, and I'm probably missing some others. Do you think other teams have caught on to this or am I just imagining it? Well, so the easiest way for me to look this up was I pulled up their pitch heat map to see, you know, it's kind of on Baseball Savant, it's kind of this blob in the in the center would be a dark red, moving out to the edges is a light blue, actually a dark blue. Uh, it's, it goes dark red, light red, white, light blue, dark blue on the edges to show where the location of most pitches are. So it's like this blob right in the strike zone. So I've set all of these, so these are only the pitches that the guys have put in play. And whether it's an out or a run scored or whether it's even an error or a sacrifice, this is the location of the pitches when they are putting it in play. And I got to say, Ken, you actually you actually have been paying attention. I, th- I think you're pretty accurate for most of these guys. Now, most of these guys, you're going to see the heat map being middle of the plate. Obviously, middle-middle is definitely a zone where most of these guys attack. Right, Everybody has a great batting average middle-middle. But for Quan, it is middle-middle, and then the blob continues down, middle-down, down at the thighs. So yeah, he does have a tendency to go after those low pitches from the middle of the plate down to the bottom of the zone, not much at the top of the strike zone. Naylor's a little different. Naylor will attack, uh, will go after things up and in. He likes pitches up and in. He likes swinging at them. I could say of anybody on your list, Ken, Naylor will go after high pitches. He likes them up and in. Uh, Andres Jimenez is middle-middle a lot, but yeah, it does stretch from about the belly down to the knees. Uh, Not much at the top of the strike zone. We know, we've seen that Andres Jimenez, if you want to strike him out or get him to pop something up, uh, the top of the strike zone is actually where he strikes out a lot. So uh, Jimenez does like to attack middle and then middle down. Uh, Nolan Jones, it's a very small sample size. He actually likes down and in. His brightest red spot is from down and in. Um, so I don't think there's enough sample size on Jones yet. Gonzalez, I think you got Gonzalez too. Down and away, he kind of goes after those pitches. So he does go after the low pitches. So that's everybody you named, Ken. I mean, I if I wanted to spend another half hour here, I could have pulled up the whole team. But I do think you are onto something. I mean, some of our hitters do like going after that low pitch. So I don't think it's your imagination. So I appreciate the email, Ken. It was uh, interesting to reflect on that, kind of figure out what tool I needed to answer your question. But yeah, I mean, that's probably a philosophy from Vileka, right? To go after those low pitches, hit some line drives. Uh, shoot some ground balls through. Remember, that's a much easier pitch to make contact on, and this team is all about making contact than a pitch up at your shoulders, than a pitch up at the, well, up at the letters, up at your shoulders is where you tend to start seeing these guys striking out, right? Chasing up out of the zone. Obviously, chasing down and away, too. Uh, A lot of our right-handed hitters, Ahmed Rosario, among them, Oscar Gonzalez, have a tendency to chase down and away. Those sliders, those breaking balls out into the other batter's box. But yeah, um, I mean, it's a good philosophy for a team that wants to make contact to go after things middle and then middle down. So, all right, those were our two emails from Ken. Ken, thank you for emailing in. If you have questions like that, if you want to bring up some topics on the show, give us some stuff to discuss. If you're seeing some tendencies out there, go ahead, take your shot. I will do the best to answer it with the tools available to me, right? I 
I only have the public websites. I got Savant. I got Fangraphs. I've got Baseball Reference. I got MLB.com. I, I work with what I got here. And uh, obviously, the people that cover the team professionally have access to a few more tools than I have. That's why Sarah Slings and Mandy Bell are able to come up with such amazing stats because they really do have good resources for them in Major League Baseball. I mean, the data that streams in in Major League Baseball is kind of incredible uh, that we have access to this much information. So even the public-facing websites, it's amazing we have this much access to information that I can do that, that I can tell Ken exactly where these guys are swinging and exactly where they're making contact. So thank you for the email, Ken. And anybody else that wants to get in, clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. All right, I think that's everything. I think that covers us. The final from Progressive Field. It's the Guardians nothing, the White Sox too. That's a weird way of saying it. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. We will see if we get this game in today. The weather in Cleveland is still iffy, so we're supposed to have one of those early Peacock games. I think it's a noon start here in Cleveland, and we're going up against Cease. I mean, the maybe the Cy Young winner for the American League if things keep going this way. We were able to hurt McC- uh, McClanahan down in uh, Tampa Bay. We'll see if we can do it to Dylan Cease on this Sunday finale. The good news is the Twins also lost. Their win streak came to the end, so we actually didn't lose much ground in the division. We stay in first place, so we have a chance to hang on to that and win this series still. We've won every series since the All-Star break, and we have a chance with this Sunday finale. All right, you can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>